the way I see it is if I can't have an open conversation with you about sex and sexual safety, then I'm not interested in having sex with you. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their fascinating stories. We always strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy and positive approach to non-monogamy. However, everyone approaches this a little differently, and in its core, our show is about hearing and learning from different experiences and approaches people have. With that in mind, it's important to remember that the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily represent those of our own. It's also important to remember that we aren't doctors or therapists and that we produce this show for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a medical professional for anything regarding your health that you might learn about on this show. We should also let you know that this podcast will hopefully include some explicit language. So, if that kind of thing offends you, you should probably keep listening until it no longer does. If you're under 18, we'd suggest finding a different show or gather up your parents and listen as a family. Enjoy! Welcome to episode 26. I'm Finn. And I'm Emma. Yay, we remembered. We always remember. (laughs) Today we interview Vaughn. And he is someone who's exploring polyamory and swinging. And we discuss a lot of different aspects of him exploring both of those worlds as a solo male uh, with partners and also as as someone of color. So it's a really interesting interview and we hope you all enjoy. Before we jump into the interview, we do have a couple of quick announcements. Well, the first one was we wanted to say thanks to Vaughn for a few things. For one, uh, putting up with some really bad internet connection when we interviewed him. Uh, not sure if it was on his side or our side. We'll take the blame for this one. But um, we actually edited out most of the issues, so the listeners shouldn't hear any of it, but it, it kind of threw him off his game a little bit. So we wanted to say thank you to him for that. And also uh, thank him for waiting a little while for us to publish this episode. We were waiting for the right time to get it out there and waiting. You know, we had a bit of a backlog. So uh, moving through it. We're moving through it. So you'll you'll hear us mention some things about like the World Cup and that. So this was recorded a few months back. So again, thank you to him for his patience and for coming on the show. Yeah. So those things that you mentioned, the other quick things to mention. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, the first, we, we just wanted to mention the two resources that we mention on every episode. Um, and we just wanted to quickly remind people, these are resources that, that we personally use and that we love using so we're not just repping things that we have no idea what they are how they work so we just wanted to get that out there and say yeah we do get some small kickbacks for recommending these things but we wouldn't be recommending them if we didn't love them so exactly yeah the first one is a website called stdcheck.com and you can get there from the links on our website or the links in the show notes or the links in your podcast player Anywhere, but, Any of the links. Yeah, so if you use those links, you get $10 off a full STD screening. And basically what, what this website allows you to do is rather than having to make an appointment at your doctor, go get your blood work, and then wait a couple of weeks to get the results, you can go online, make a profile on their website, schedule a walk. You don't even have to schedule an appointment. You can just go walk into like LabCorp or Quest get your blood drawn, give them some wee-wee, and... (laughs) Wee-wee, are you serious right now? (laughs) And and then, like, a day later, you get your results. And it's it's cheaper, it's faster, it's easier. So we've been doing it for the last few years. We love it, and we just wanted to get more people getting tested, and we get a $10 discount for all our listeners. So that's the the first one. Yeah. What's the second one? The second one is the website Cassidy, and this is a dating website to find other people who are exploring non-monogamy. We've been using Cassidy for a few years now and love it. So it's basically the best non-monogamy website for finding other people. Yeah, exactly. So if you want to check it out, you can use the link on our website for a free 30-day trial. You can also leave us a review on any iTunes or podcast platform, and uh, you get a free 90-day trial. So that's super exciting. So do that and meet all the sexy people plus there's some hot pictures of us yeah mm-hmm. all right i think that's enough real quick you can find us at our website of at normalizing non-monogamy.com you can also find us on twitter and instagram under the screen name nnm podcast okay not and that. not instagram oh my gosh twitter and cassidy under that screen name yeah we don't do the instagram no <laughs> 
So anyway, now we're done for real. Sorry. And let's go to the interview. Yeah, so thanks for taking some time out of your Sunday to chat with us. And uh, we'll give you a few minutes to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you, and, and we'll dive in deeper from there. Yeah. Well, Emma, Finn, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, my name's Vaughn. I'm a cis-hetero, 30-something-year-old male in the South. Um, like you said, I reached out to the uh, on the website because I really enjoy the podcast. I listen every week um, and just thought it might be interesting to have a different perspective on. I actually didn't expect you to invite me on the show. So that was a pleasant <laughs> surprise. Yeah. Fair, fair warning to anybody who reaches out to us. <laughs> yeah, you'll probably be invited on. <laughs> We're um, just trying to get as many different perspectives as possible. So. Yeah, absolutely. And also... Uh, you said you found us through Monogamy Disrupted, so wanted to throw a shout out to those guys for sending some listeners our way. So, yeah, absolutely, love Malik and Nadia. Enjoy that show and listen every week as well. Yeah, no, they're fantastic. So they'll be happy to hear that their their audience is uh, spreading around. So. Yeah, very cool, very cool. So, any other little pieces of information you'd want to share about yourself before we start kind of digging into how you got into swinging and everything? Well, I don't know. I'm just a pretty regular guy. Um, you know, I'm professional. I like to hang out with friends and socialize and, and uh, I'm really, really into music, particularly my vinyl collection now. Very cool. Very cool. Well, yeah, that's awesome. So you, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, uh, can you take us a little bit through your journey? So how do you identify and where did, where did, where did you start, I guess? Uh, well, I guess I, at this point, most closely identify with uh, solo polyamory. Um, with a dash of swing, I guess you'd say. Um, <laughs> I like that term, my, dash of swing. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my journey here has been a little bit different from some of your previous guests, um, I suppose. Uh, I, well, similar to some, I grew up in a pretty conservative environment regarding relationships and other things. Um, all I knew was that there was one way to date, and that was with the intent to marry, marry, and uh, and you don't have sex before then. Right. Um, and I lived that for uh, several years, uh, to say the least. Um, so you know, it wasn't until late in college that I even crossed the bridge of any sort of um, uh, sexual relationships in general. Um, and after that, I think my sort of transition into the world of non-monogamy started more in my late twenties. Um, uh, up to that point, uh, I had been sort of in a serial, uh, monogamy sort of structure, um, with a couple of relationships that lasted a few years and then, you know, some, you know, brief sort of flurs of fun in between, I guess I'd say, but I was always very, uh, sort of strict to the idea of, you don't date more than one person at a time. And, um, you know, um, sort of in my mid to late twenties, I was in a relationship, uh, that was on again, off again. We saw other people in between and then we got back together at a point and started having some real conversations about what we were looking for and what it meant to, you know, have emotional and you know physical attachments to other people in the interim and what that meant for us. Yeah. Uh, sparked some really interesting conversations, uh, and, you know, eventually, you know, without going too far into it, I guess, uh, we eventually ended up, you know, discussing our experiences in, in uh, pretty significant detail, and then that, you know, rolled into kind of role play, role play scenarios, um, which was kind of fun and exciting. Yeah, and then uh, we just decided we were going to try to, you know, look into the world of swinging in part because at the time, just you know, searching the internet and various podcasts, um, I came across Life on the Set, and started, you know, learning about the lifestyle primarily through that. And we sort of experimented with it, went to a couple clubs, never really did anything with any other couples, but just enjoyed the sexy environment. Right. Now, that relationship ended up coming to an end. Uh, and then, you know, I went through a period of a couple years where I was single and really started diving into my own personal exploration into what, how I felt about my dating life and relationship structure. Hmm. Read a number of books, listen to a number of podcasts. I'm a big savage listener as well. I know you guys are yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and have been since college, actually. Um, I think at that point I didn't really have a clear vision for it, but I decided I was just going to be 
as the complete open book with all of my partners and let them know I'm seeing other people. Um, I am open to emotional interactions with them or uh, attachments to them and also, you know, physical uh, attachments to them. So, and, so after you, after you broke up with the partner that you started exploring swinging, you started dating other people and then dating multiple people at once. Yeah, I did. Um, and which was pretty much a first for me. Um, I was at the time reading through the ethical slut and, uh, starting embracing some of those principles. And I figured, you know, the only way for me to really figure this out is to really give it a shot and, uh, kind of commit to it. Um, it felt natural to me and right to me, despite my previous socialization. Um, and you know, I got to say what really, made it real to me was the sense of relief that I had with being able to be very open about my feelings and my desires with the people that I was seeing. Whereas before, if I started developing a crush on someone else, to me, that meant, Oh, you're not really in love with this person. Got to get out. Relationship's not real. So uh, it ended up being a really, you know, interesting and, um, the journey that I learned a lot about myself. So was that part of what spurred you back when you were with the partner and you guys started exploring swinging? Was it, you know, starting to fantasize about other people or think about other people, or was it more fantasies between the two of you that were, un, I guess, unable to be fulfilled by the two of you? Well, more, it actually started more with just discussing what it meant to have seen other people in the times that we were broken up or on breaks and just being honest with each other that, Hey, I, I started seeing, you know, another woman and I feel such and such a way about her. So us getting back together, you know, I, I can't pretend I don't still have a connection to that person. So we just wanted to be honest with each other. Was this all with that same partner? I, sorry, just trying to make mm-hmm. sure I understood the, the time. So this, you were breaking up and getting back together with the partner that you started swinging with. And that was when you started to understand, like, you had feelings for other people, you had other relationships, and then you guys kind of took it from there? We kind of took it from there, yeah, and started exploring swing after those conversations, after becoming comfortable with those ideas, okay. then started looking into swinging, although we never actually got to the point of swapping or doing anything like that with other couples before that relationship ended at that time. Okay, so it was just, it was sort of led into by breaking up, getting back together, starting to talk about what that meant, and then mm-hmm, going to mm-hmm. the club and just enjoying the the atmosphere and everything. But it kind of more opened your eyes to what was out there and different right. relationships. Right. And that's the time when you guys found Life on the Swing Set and other resources and started exploring everything out there. That's correct. That's okay. correct. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. Just making sure we understood yeah. where... Where it all, how it all happened. So right, it's not not exactly the most straightforward path. So. <laughs> I don't think I don't think any of us have super straightforward paths. No, <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. So then, after the um, woman that you were in a relationship with, that you guys broke up, uh, you said you started really diving into it more on your own and how you thought and felt about relationship styles for yourself. Yeah, that's correct, and I, I'm. Someone who just by nature of my my profession and education, I just like to read as much as I can and learn about things before I really invest in them. So I just started picking up books and podcasts and learning more and more and then developed a little bit more of the language and the understanding of the fact that polyamory existed and swinging really existed outside of, you know, things you may hear about on TV um, that don't didn't seem real to me at the time. And, you know, that led to me just being more open with everyone that I was seeing and then eventually saying, okay, I'm going to start practicing polyamory in a dedicated way. And that was probably about a bit over a year and a half ago. Okay. And so you, you had pretty much moved away from the swinging completely at that point. And you would say it's more looking for multiple relationships or just more so maybe whatever comes your way. If it's one relationship, that's fine. If you find somebody else, then that's fine too. You're not necessarily looking to have three or four or seven partners, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, and I, well, I'll say, honestly, like I said, I, these things sort of ran in parallel for me because my, I was still interested in the idea of swinging. I just didn't have a great 
sense of where exactly I fell on the spectrum of non-monogamy. So I was kind of just trying things as they came. Sure. So how, I guess how did that how did that look for you? And and I guess how did it how did it work in a in a real sense? Uh, well, I'll say my first actual experience with you know, being ethically non-monogamous started with a swing experience where I met a couple. Um, that were experienced swingers on a beach that I like to visit from time to time. Just made friends, chatted it up with them, and then, you know, they let me know what their relationship, you know, style and structure was. And and then later on, after hours of hanging out, invited me to play uh, with them, which was a lot of fun and really formative for me because I could see that, oh, these two really love each other. They, you know, had been married for, you know, 20 years. And my presence as a guest star doesn't change that all it does is add to it Um, right and i got to see you know that interaction between them and i really admired it so i'd say at the time i was still you know very much interested in whether swing would or would not work for me but i think the reality for me um you know coming back from that vacation was that i didn't even know where to begin when it came to swinging so i just was looking for you know open-minded uh individuals to interact with and it became more of a I'm dating individuals uh, openly after that in more in a polyamorous way. Right. Okay. And so have you, have you continued to also explore like being the, the third with other couples and, or finding single women to do the swinging with, or have you, you've transitioned mostly to just the, the dating and, and relationship side of it? Uh, well, a little bit of both. I'd say primarily the dating and relationship side of, of things, the more polyamorous side of things is, you know, where I exist most of the time. But I I love being a, you know, like I said, a guest star. Uh, with, it's that, it's that touch or dash of swing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, that's still very exciting. And I, I enjoy connecting with people in that way and, and witnessing their connection. So, you know, there's there are, you know, a couple here and there that I still occasionally, you know, will uh, play with uh, on that front. I've had partners that I've been dating in a significant emotional way that I have dabbled in swing with where we you know, explore that together to see if that would work for us. But I also have, you know, um, have had partners that are not interested in swing at all and that's okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's really cool that it's just kind of whatever happens is, is totally cool with you and you take it as it comes. Have you found it difficult as a single male to find partners who are interested in, I guess poly or swing with somebody who is a single male, or is that have you found that to be not not as difficult? Uh, well, it's interesting because I think the reactions I get are polarized. Either they either you know if I meet a woman and you know let them know how I date, either their response is like that's crazy, who are you, and they run, um, or. They say, oh, I've actually been thinking about these things, too, and I'm open to, you know, exploring. And then we just have, you know, conversation and see where things fit. And important to me to take every relationship as it sort of comes and let let it grow the way that it's going to grow. So I don't say, oh, well, if you're dating me, you have to do this or we have to date that particular way. Um, it's just a matter of whether, you know, we match each other in terms of what we're looking for at that time. When it comes to swinging and couples, I find it's probably more challenging in that realm to be a single male. Um, the yeah. bar for entry with, you know, a, a couple as a single guy is very high. Um, and I understand, you know, the many reasons for that, but that can be a little bit challenging because you really have to, you know, extend yourself to prove that you're not a creeper. You're not going to try to disrupt their relationship that, you know, that you're safe, uh, which as someone who is kind of all those things naturally, mm-hmm. um, it can be frustrating at times, but, but I get it. Um, not, not all of us single guys are on the level. Right. Yeah. I mean, I imagine it's, it's really frustrating when you're like, I'm, I'm not one of those guys. I am respectful. I'm all these things. And, and you're just, mm-hmm. you, you have to find a way to convince people in a very short amount of time, which is usually, you know, one email is what you've got I to know. do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, do you, do you have any tips for the single guys out there that, you know, how, what you've seen maybe success wise and 
Uh, well, I'd say the key is to just be uh, sincere. Um, I think in general, people can see through bullshit. So yeah. uh, just be you. If you're a guy who's just like, just wants to have, you know, no, no strings attached sex. Don't want to know anything about, you know, the people you're with necessarily, except that they're hot. Like just say that. Um, and then they can, you can start from that basis. If you're more like me, who t- I tend to want to get to know, you know, know the couple and know, get to know about, know their relationship a little bit, um, and really have a genuine interaction with them that even if we don't play could just end up being, you know, friendship, then convey that, you know, whether it be on your profile or in your, you know, email to them. Right. Uh, and that seems to work for me. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good point about like the email. Um, when you first reach out to a couple, I mean, I know from the couple standpoint on our, on our, in our experience, you know, if a single male takes the time to write a well-crafted email and seems very respectful, that goes a lot longer, um, you know, in our, in, for us than it is. And it helps a lot. Yeah. over, you know, yeah. you know, a one-liner email. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and, and what's interesting is, you know, I've seen, I've been on both sides of this. So I've been part of a couple who's open to single males and noticed that, you know, that same high entry bar on my end um, where the attendant just casts, you know, a certain amount of uh, skepticism strongly about, I, I always, when with a partner, respond, you know, interacting with single males, I always reply, never blow them off. And even if it's a, you know, not a good message or not what we're interested, I say, Hey, thanks for sending the message, but we're not interested right. on the other end. I know how it feels to just, you know, be ignored. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair advice. And maybe a good tip for people is even if, I mean, within reason, I guess there's some that are just sure. so blatantly disrespectful. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're like, you don't even, but if they, you know, it's just being courteous. Yeah. That's that's what right. comes to courteous and kind. Like I don't know, treat people how you would want to be treated. And like you said, you've you've seen it on both sides, so you know exactly what it's like on both both ends. So, right. well, I was curious if you have have you tried to go to like an actual in person venue to meet people where maybe it's a little easier to con, con as a single male. Yeah, as a single male to convey your your genuine interest in meeting and being friends with people. Yeah, I have. I mean, I've been to a couple of clubs, uh, solo just to check them out and see how I felt about, you know, going, uh, as a single guy. And, uh, you know, I'll be honest, those, those situations I don't think are the best fit for me because what I've found is that either, you know, the, the, it seems like the times that interest has been shown to me has been very just, you know, hey, you, you look hot. Come have sex with me now. And, you know, sort of wordless transactions. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's not necessarily what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, and if you're the single guy sparking, trying to spark conversations, sometimes, you know, people are a little hesitant to really engage you on that front. That's just what my experience has been. But, you know, I'm sure it's not everyone's. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I wanted to ask, uh, how do you go about meeting people? I know you, outside of going in person, like you said, um, are there certain websites or apps that you find most useful? I know both on the poly and the swinging side of things. Well, I'd say on the swinging side, the app that's been you know, the best for me is SDC. Um, that's, that's, uh, you know, I've had some you know success there and met some really great people there. Yeah. Um, and it's the uh, most, probably the most popular in your area too. I think those Website, a lot of regional, regional websites, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it seems like it. Uh, so, yeah, I've met people there both as a couple and as a single. Uh, interestingly, um, as a single, probably the best connect I've, uh, you know, that I've had has been sort of a referral from a friend who said, hey, you guys might like this single guy. Um, and that's worked out, you know, really well for me. So I, I, I've enjoyed SEC. Um, as far as dating more poly, um, honestly, Tinder has worked. Um, it seems like, you know, they're, the folks there tend to be a little bit more open-minded. And then there's a, an app called Field, yeah. uh, which is, you know, for couples. And I've met folks who are interested in swinging there and, pe- and folks who are interested in poly uh, there as well. Cool. Yeah, and have you, have you ever, just because I'm totally curious... Have you ever met like a person out at like a bar or just anywhere in, I guess, vanilla land and started talking to them and spurred a relationship oh, yeah. and then been like, well, 
but I'm more into poly and they were just like, oh, that's totally cool. I, uh, you know, let's explore that. Or is it, have you had more like a higher success rate meeting people on apps that are kind of expecting it? Well, I've, I've definitely met, um, folks in vanilla land, I guess you could say, (laughs) um, just, uh, I mean, one interesting one was I met, a a woman out at a bar who happened to be there celebrating, you know, her partner's birthday and ended up making friends with her and sort of having a good time just hanging out with, you know, that party. And, you know, we connected and I had no idea that their relationship was open. Um, and I don't think she had any idea where I was coming from. So it wasn't until later in the evening when we were sort of, you know, exchanging information saying, Hey, we should be friends. You know, you kind of, you know, there have been a flirtatious vibe for the, over the course of the evening. And, uh, over the next day or so, you kind of back and forth. It's just open. Well, that's great. Cause I'm probably, um, and that worked out well. And yeah, some of the relationships I've had have been, uh, with people that I've known, th- met through friends or known through friends. And then, you know, we start seeing each other and I'm at this point, I'm very open with it. I don't, I don't like to engage meaningfully with anyone without them knowing, cause I don't want anyone to be surprised or shocked or feel like I was getting over on them. Sure. Um, and, uh, it, it, like I said, it may just come from a standpoint of just being genuine in my interactions with people that for the most part, it seems like at this point, I'd kind of tend to draw people towards me that are a little more open-minded. Yeah. I guess if you can go to the beach and they just come swarming to you. <laughs> In fairness, it was a clothing optional beach. So that was going to be my guess <laughs> just because that tends to draw a little bit more open-minded people. <laughs> so are, are you open to your friends and family about the way, you know, your relationship styles or have you been, pretty it sounds like you've been pretty genuine about it with most people and are you with your family and friends as well uh yeah this is is kind of a challenging issue or or area for me in that i'm figuring that out i am uh increasingly open to most of my my friends Uh, there's a fair amount of overlap between my professional life and my personal friendship life so i have to be very I have to pick and choose who I disclose these things to. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are very few people that work with me that also know this. Most of my friends who are purely outside of work know. Um, and I have one family member, a sibling that knows um, that we're pretty close. But the rest of my family does not know yet. And I'm trying to figure out how to approach that, to be honest with you. Because, like I said, they're pretty conservative when it comes to, to dating relationships. Right. Yeah, take them to the beach. <laughs> family family beach day <laughs> surprise <laughs> so um, way that could go wrong <laughs> yeah right i think it, it's unfortunate i don't know i i want to encourage people to be out and then but i know we aren't completely out either so um it's just an, it's an interesting thing to think about and how to handle it and everyone approaches it a little bit differently yeah but one thing i've noticed is that um i think many people who are non-monogamous just tend to be at least people i've met just tend to be just open-minded and very uh free in the way that they interact with other people in general so an interesting response that i've had from some of my friends who i've disclosed to is that oh that makes perfect sense for you considering the way that you are with all of your friends. Um, because I don't know, I'm just social and I share a lot of myself with my friends and, and make connections that are meaningful and deep, but do so with a lot of people fairly easily. So yeah, uh, I agree that the more you can be open, the better. I think it's, it, it helps your friends who haven't thought about things a certain way. Um, you know, say, Hey, there's other alternatives out there and you know, just makes the community better overall. Yeah, I agree. And everyone does it in their own way, however that works. Yeah. Is there a, is there a pretty good support network in your area for the, the poly and swinging communities, or has it been a, a struggle, like, kind of feeling on your own, trying to navigate it in the dark? Yeah, it's a little tough. I mean, I felt like I was all by myself for quite some time. And um, there are uh, some networks of 
well, particularly polyamorous folks. There's some meetup group kind of things, which are few and kind of far between. I mean, I am in the South, so uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, people aren't too too open about these things. Um, I'm increasingly finding that there's a pretty robust swing community that I'm starting to make some friends in and, and really get kind of tapped into, which has been great. So, you know, I'm, I'm sort of learning that. Yeah. Right. I think if you look hard enough in pretty much any location, <laughs> at least around the U.S., you should find some sort of group. But I don't totally know. agree. I mean, when I first got on SEC, I was at the recommendation of the couple that I met and had that first experience with. I was just shocked at how many swingers that were in my area. I was, yeah. Right. Have have you seen a, I guess, how, how do you see in your area or in your relationships the, the conversation around safer sex and testing and status? Is that, mm-hmm. has it become pretty normal conversation for you to have with people or is it still a little bit tough and taboo f- for you guys to bring that up? Oh man, I got to say it's been uh, very much normalized. And I, I mean, I found that those conversations are so much easier now that I am openly non-monogamous than, uh, than before, uh, in my sort of vanilla dating life, it was always, you know, it was taboo to sort of talk about sexual histories and the, you sort of say, Oh, well, yeah, I'm safe and you're safe, you know, but oftentimes it was kind of vague. Right. right. Yeah. Now by the nature of, you know, the way we date, it's something, it's a conversation that I comfortably have earlier, early. And, you know, I revisit those conversations, uh, routinely, yeah. uh, with, with partners and it's it, honestly, it's comforting and, and easy. Um, the way I see it is if I can't have an open conversation with you about sex and sexual safety, then I'm not interested in having sex with you. So yeah. very early on I say, Oh, I get you know tested twice a year. You know, I share my results, you know, uh, you know, and have no problem with that and sort of ex- expect something similar. I mean, everyone is different, yeah. um, but the importance is to, you know, feel comfortable that that person is disclosing openly with you. So I'm, I, I routinely am sending screenshots of my, you know, results to partners and they do the same. Have you seen, like, when you, maybe you've met, uh, like, a single woman and not in necessarily in the poly or the swinging community, mm-hmm. Have you seen them almost be taken aback when you're very blunt and open about that conversation because it, it like that it's not as common in the, the single dating world? And this is purely a question because neither of us have really spent much time in that world to know. Yeah. I, I could see if you're very open and like if that's one of the first things you're bringing up, I could see where somebody would be like maybe taken aback by it. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a little startling. I mean, I had a fairly recent interaction on a dating app where, you know, someone was, yeah, we were going back and forth and flirting heavily and we're interested in, um, you know, seeing each other and there's definitely a sexual tilt to it. And I did what I usually, Hey, before we meet, I just want you to know, I'm, you know, I date non-monogamously. This is how it, you know, what my structure is. And, um, you know, the frequency which I get tested, I'm happy to bring results with me for you to see. And (laughs) it was kind of funny how the conversation kind of dried up a little bit. She was like, oh, thanks for saying that, but was clearly very taken aback by it. Um, right. And it, there wasn't the, what I've actually come to expect from my non-monogamous partners. I say, oh, that's great. Fantastic. Here's my routine. Yeah. This is what I do. And this is what I expect. There was none of that. So um, that does happen. Yeah. But I guess that's a good part of the vetting process. Cause if, mm-hmm. if she's unable to reply with that then it maybe makes you think hey maybe she doesn't get tested that often it's obviously not her it's not uh of importance to her right and now you get to make that decision do you want to progress and move forward with her and well and also she gets to learn yeah she gets to learn that i mean at least a different style out there maybe she'd never been exposed to someone in that you Mm -hmm. know that had been Mm -hmm. non-monogamous before Um, yeah yeah and then she's like, oh, shit, I need to go get tested. <laughs> I need to up my right. game a little. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, I had a partner recently tell me about an uh, incident with a new partner of hers where that conversation happened and that, that gentleman's response was, I, I need to get tested. And he was very much on the level about it, so things worked out. Cool. Yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. 
I was curious, do you ever see or interact with couples who, like, it's maybe part of the fantasy to have you not use protection? Uh, that I have not experienced, fortunately. It wouldn't be something I was, I would be interested in. Right. Um, and, uh, I gotta say the only times I've just looking back across my dating history, the only times I've really been pressured to not use protection at all has been in my like vanilla dating life in the past. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Was it just like the girl didn't want to use it? I mean, that seems yeah. surprising to me. Like usually it's the guy who's like, well, I don't want to put on a condom. It's a pain in the ass, blah, blah, blah. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe I'm a little typical, but in my entire life, I've been pretty parent paranoid and, uh, uh, you know, strict about protection. Um, so maybe I'm a little atypical. I've sort of heard that before from women I've dated, but occasionally, you know, someone you get comfortable with will say, Hey, we don't have to do them on the pill. And I say, eh, actually, I prefer to, to continue to use them. So, yeah. 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 Nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. Oh, oh. I was also curious. You talked early on about how you, you kind of raised in a heavily, conservative and religious background and then mm-hmm. you know you, you slowly started into the dating world and I guess do you mind talking a little bit about what that transition like how you finally started to realize that it was okay to have sex outside of marriage and that progression for you because I think that's a tough that's a tough one for people to overcome when they're brought up in in such a fundamentalist way yeah uh, well, first I'd ask, how long do we have? Because I could talk all day about it. <laughs> uh, well, let's I guess, see. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, guess, I guess in brief, I mean, I, I, grew, up, I grew up with a promise ring. <laughs> um, took that all the way with me to college. Um, and, you know, it wasn't until a couple years in that I even tried to cross the bridge and lost my virginity and then was freaked out by it and didn't try again for another couple of years. This um, is in college, you said? This is in, yeah, this is in Colin College. So it wasn't really until getting into uh, some relationships in my senior year that I um, actually, I would say, became you know truly sexually active. For a long time, I'd say I, you know, I carried some guilt with, you know, in any relationship I was in, in which I was having sex, whether it was a serious relationship or a shorter term one, I definitely had issues with guilt related to that. And mostly just because of the way you were brought up. A- absolutely. Absolutely. I-, I often found myself in the position of being the less experienced, you know, more sexually shy part of the relationship. Um, so I, and in a way I had the good fortune of having a number of more experienced partners along the way. So I was able to learn, <laughs> right. but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I'd say it wasn't until, yeah, probably somewhere in, you know, in grad school and uh, going to my mid to late twenties that I really started reinvestigating those and those, those feelings. And some of that came out of, out of just my feelings about things that I just had a hard time agreeing with in terms of how the church treated, you know, people in the queer community and some of the just, you know, lifestyles that, you know, I had friends and people that I cared about um, and said, well, you know, I don't agree with these things as much, maybe I can sort of reinvestigate how I feel about my own feelings. Right. Um, so it was, it was admittedly a pretty long drawn out, uh, process for me. Yeah. I kind of, I mean, it was, I, I understand it was kind of a loaded question. It was, <laughs> I was just kind of curious. Um, so I, I appreciate it. So I was, I was curious if let's say you met a partner and she, she was like, Hey, I really love you. I don't want to do this. And you, what, do you ever see yourself backing out of it? Or do you, is this something that you think you'll take with you moving forward indefinitely? Uh, I would say I am, currently I would not be able to continue that relationship. And I've actually had to have that difficult, you know, conversation and sort of struggle before. I'm not completely closed off to the idea of either you know, particularly, you know, temporarily being, you know, monogamous with someone. But the issue that I have currently is that I have meaningful connected relationships that would be very difficult for me to just walk away from and say, oh, I'm doing this because, you know, another partner yeah. wants all of my attention. Right, um, because, right. It would, you wouldn't feel like yeah. it's fair to your other partners. Right, right. Because we spend all this time 
together building, you know, a relationship that means a lot to both of us. So, you know, you know, a new, you know, someone new that says they want only me and everyone else to be secondary, um, sort of flies in the face of the way I've structured my relationship. So that's just not compatible for me at this time. Yeah. So, so I think the term we've heard people refer to it as hierarchical, hi, yeah. hierarchical. Yeah. I'm, I'm uh, awful at the pronunciation <laughs> of it. But, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not even going to try because I don't want to mess it up. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, show. thanks for but, leaving me out. Hang <laughs> me out to dry on that one. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I'm not, he's not a, uh, not really a thing in my in my dating life okay. um, at this point, um, and I, I like it that way. Really, what I found is it really makes it possible for each relationship I have to flourish in its own way and add to my life and my partner's life in the way that seems natural. With the exception being if you know someone wants a primary relationship with me and everyone else to be secondary, then that obviously isn't going to work. Right. Right. So have you found like a, um, through experimentation or whatever, like a, the, the right number of partners that's easy for you to manage, but not, you know, not too many, not too few, or, or you just sort of take it as it comes. And I think the magic number, um, particularly when it comes to polyamorous relationships for me is probably three, any more than that really. I mean, it's tough to a find the time. Um, you know, with work and, you know, really spending meaningful time with people um, and, you know, be just to be able to really focus that much emotional energy and attention, you know, that's any more than that is, is, is a bit much. Um, so either two or three tends to, tends to work for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's completely reasonable. And I'm sure, I'm sure everybody's, you know, magic number is a little different. I was, just kind of curious what you what you. No, that seems reasonable. Works. I mean, yeah. I can only imagine the amount of emotional energy it takes to do have more than three partners. Like, I mean, three yeah. partners seems like it would be a good a good number. <laughs> it, it can be a lot, and you know, if you're really committed to the people you're seeing, you know, if someone has an issue like a family member sick or a personal problem, and you have to give them more attention, you know, if, you know, you have to have you know patient, you know. Uh, metamors, I guess yeah. uh, it's a term, who will understand that. And, you know, for me, if there's too many, then it's it's hard to you know, really give people the time that they, they need. Right. And you're, you're not necessarily, I guess, from your perspective, you know, building the relationships that you want to build it because you won't have the time. Now, the swing, the dash of swing is a little different in that, you know, potentially I have more partners than that. Um, that are involved in swing just because generally those connections tend to be a little, you know, tend to be less involved. Right. 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 So before we end the podcast here, we wanted to see, do you have any tips or tricks that you want to share with the listeners or do you have anything else that we didn't talk about that you'd like to bring up? Um, yeah, I don't know how many tips and tricks I necessarily have because I'm just figuring things out like we all are. Um, but one thing I did think might be interesting to chat about is just the idea of being, you know, you know person of color in uh, non-monogamous communities uh-huh. um, that presents its own unique, you know, experiences and, and challenges because, you know, you kind of go out on an island um, in terms of your dating life and then some can kind of find yourself on a totally separate island as well. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, as a, as a person of color, um, I, have been fortunate to have, you know, develop friends and connections where it hasn't been as big of a deal. Um, but I think particularly in sort of the, in swing communities, I get some interesting interactions along those lines. Uh, there's, you know, a certain amount of, you know, exoticism and fetishization kind of things that, you know, can be sort of fun to toy with, but can also be approached in ways that aren't as respectful. Right. Um, I don't, yeah. I, I, I don't really know that I have a great answer for that because preferences are preferences and fantasies are fantasies. Um, but I think maybe this, the key in general is just, you know, communicate openly and, and ask people, oh, how do you feel about this? There's probably a, a good way to approach those things that just involve open communication and asking, you know, each individual what they're into and what works for them. Yeah. Um, but, you know, unfortunately I've had some, you know, incidents where, 
you know, assumptions are made about the way that I, things that I'm interested in, the way that I want to play, and um, and leaps are made just because of the color of my skin. Yeah, um, which, which is, is un- which is that's unfortunate. Like, just be respectful, people. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and like you said, people are going to have fantasies and even a fetish to some degree. But it, and correct me if I'm wrong. If if somebody laid that out to you in a respectful way, would that be something you would be okay with? Or at that point, does it already cross the line of being uncomfortable for you? Oh, no. You know, I think as long as it, you know, comes in a respectful way, um, I, you know, be open to open to those kind of things. Um, it's just more when, you know, assumptions are made up front and, you know, I've been invited to, you know, some interesting parties and things like that before, you know, knowing the first thing about me. So, Uh, that makes it a little awkward. It's just like anything else, you know, if someone just shoots you a message and says, Hey, do you want to do this? You know, or, Hey, you should come to that, um, without even asking who you are. Um, it can make it a little awkward. Right. And, uh, and then, you know, I think in general, we can work on how we sort of arrange our communities to be mindful, you know, that people come from different places. A, a plug I have to make is a book that I really love is Uh Kevin Patterson. Kevin Patterson's Love's Not Colorblind. Um, it's, you know, it's more focused towards polyamorous communities. Um, but uh, it's a great book that, you know, gives pretty uh, personal, you know, vignettes about how these interactions have gone for people. And, and it gives, you know, advice on how to handle them you know, as cool. individuals and groups. Yeah, we'll definitely link that in the show notes. Yeah. I was curious, have you found within the dating community that it's your your partners are skewed to be also people of color or are you seeing a pretty wide variety of people that you're, that are interested in you and interested in having relationships? Uh, I'd say it's actually skewed away from it. uh, Interestingly. And some of that may just be that the person of color community within non-monogamy is maybe a smaller, um, you know, sort of subgroup. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's it's that's actually been kind of interesting to me and i don't know if that's just a if that's more of a regional thing because you know i know people do exist you know i I see them on twitter and i see them on websites and i just for whatever reason don't come across as many of them in my day-to-day um but you know me personally i'm interested in people's across from all spectrum so right yeah that's very interesting and that's yeah yeah, something that I don't think anybody who's not experienced it firsthand can really understand. It's a tough, it's a tough one. Yeah, thank you for bringing that topic up. I think it's important to cover. And and also, I wanted to say too that I think you did provide quite a few tips and tricks early on. So I wouldn't I wouldn't sell yourself too short. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. So, besides oh, my the, my, num- my number one tip though is listening to the Normalizing Nominogamy podcast. Oh wow. Yay. Thank you. Your paycheck will be coming in three to five business days. When we're not having internet issues. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, besides the, the book uh, by Kevin Patterson, are there any other resources that you found, you know, and besides our podcast and Nadia and Malik's podcast, that, that you wanted to, you know, suggest to the listeners that they might want to look up? Uh, well, The Ethical Slut was formative for me. Um, that was a you know, formative book for me in my explorations and continue to be helpful. Um, and I think they recently updated it, um, as well. Um, I listen to Dan Savage every week. Uh, I can't go wrong there. Um, are you a Magnum subscriber? I'm a Magnum subscriber. (laughs) Excellent. That works. (laughs) Um, life on the swing set has been fantastic, um, as well, uh, for me. And I recommend that. And, uh, yeah. Um, well, for, I'll say one book that was great for me as a single guy trying to sort of figure out, you know, how to improve the way, like the ways that I interact with, you know, women and their sexuality. Um, like I said, having come from a, you know, socialization that doesn't really, you know, isn't really tuned to that. It's a really book called uh, Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. Uh-huh. I think it's a great, great book that everyone should read. Um, and I learned, learned a lot um, reading that one, so. Great. Well, we will definitely, yeah, we'll definitely link those in the show notes. I think those are all wonderful recommendations. Um, I know you mentioned life on the swing set was formative for you because I think you said your you and your partner found that back when you were first starting into swinging, right? Getting into yeah. swinging. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, we found it too, right? They started their podcast right when we started into swinging too, which is, it's really fun to kind of start your journey with a podcast and, and, and grow with them. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's cool. And they always have provided a lot of wonderful information. Oh, cool. I was going to throw one other tip out there that for the single guys, if you put the list of books that you've read in your profile, <laughs> we would be much more likely to click on your profile and send you a message. So I, <laughs> That's a great idea. I should try that. that. <laughs> just a quick index. Books or podcast. Yeah, books and yeah. podcasts. Just a quick index of everything that you found useful. <laughs> and we'll be like, well, this guy, he knows, he knows what he's doing. That's a good tip. <laughs> so... All right. Well, again, we appreciate you taking the time to, to chat with us on Sunday and taking this uh, World Cup, taking a break from the World Cup to to chat with us and share some insight. And we appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll definitely keep in touch. And who knows, maybe we'll have you back on in a future episode with a partner or partners or whoever. So it'd be a lot of fun. That'd be a cool idea. So we look forward to it, and we will talk soon. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. We are back. Yay. Back again. And we don't have too much to say here. We just wanted to once again thank Vaughn for his time. And actually, in the last couple of days, he agreed to come back on the show and talk with us in the future about a couple other things. So... Stay tuned for that. That'll be coming up at some point in the future. Yes, that's very exciting. Uh, Beyond that, next week we have another interview, believe it or not. (laughs) And uh, we're uh, we're talking with Christopher, who is one of the more unique interviews we've ever done. He's got some really interesting perspectives on a lot of things. His relationship dynamic is different than anything we've um, explored. So we're really excited to be bringing you that, and I know he's excited about it as well. So Definitely check it out. We'll stop talking because the faster we stop, the faster we get to next week, I think. Yes, but also don't forget to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from anybody. You can find us on our website at normalizingnonmonogamy.com. I think that's it. That's it for real. Okay. Bye, everyone.